They said, the budget is of no consequence. What's important is the quality of your ideas. And I thought, I, I know what you guys are doing. You're trying to take away constraints so that I'm very creative. I said, look, okay, right, guys, I'm not going to say anymore. I'm leaving here. I'm going out of this room. And I'm going to come back in a week with an idea that you're going to want. And it's going to take you to your budget ouch point. I was completely making this up. But they loved that. It was like, talk dirty, right? So about a week later, a motorbike pulls up outside this people's office. And a guy gets off a motorcycle career dressed in 18th century costume. He walks to the desk carrying a parcel. The parcel is wrapped in silk. And inside is a handmade box, scented wood. And inside that, when you open it, is a proposal on printed in a special typeface on special paper. Just to say, look, we know we're not going to get this, but this is what happens when you when you challenge. And, and the proposal was, you do an opera. You're going to write it. You're going to, you're going to costume it. You're going to light it. We're going to be there to help, but you do the whole thing. And they said yes. This is the Ideas Lab podcast, where you can learn from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses, books, and brands. Because in a crowded world, it pays to stand out. This is your host, John Williams, best-selling author and founder of the Ideas Lab London. David Pearl is a polymath. He's an innovator who works in business, the arts, and social change, And in businesses, he's run incredible projects like building a skeleton theater on a clifftop in Portugal to have 1,500 of a corporation's staff come together and create an opera performance. He's recently launched for nonprofit Street Wisdom. Anyone can download the instructions for running a street workshop, as he calls it, to discover answers to their burning questions in the environment around them. David is also the author of several books including Will There Be Donuts, a book about meetings, and the new book, Wonderful, released in January 2020. If you're a creative with multiple interests, or you want to consult corporations in new and interesting ways, or you want to engineer experiences that impact people's lives in meaningful ways, you're going to love this interview. Welcome, David. Thanks very much for joining us on the Ideas Lab podcast. My pleasure to be here with you. It's great. Yeah. Well, there's so many things I want to talk to you about, but let's start with it. The reason why I got in contact with you was because of Street Wisdom, which was a tour that I went on uh, a couple of months ago. Why don't you explain for people what Street Wisdom is? Because I think people are going to love this. Uh, well, Street Wisdom is a surprise to me, by the way. It was an idea that emerged from the work I do with business folk, which is to help them be more creative. And often I would take people out of their offices into the street because, well, you know, we, we all know that there's more stimulus out there, but also you sort of leave your identity behind in the building. And it, this was very interesting for the senior people who they go out on the street and they're just normal folk. So it, that got me starting to work in the street. And over time, I developed what I call a workshop. See what I did there, John? I like um, it. But basically, like it's a it. workshop. I know, TM, TM. Um, and basically, it was uh, what I wanted to do was um, create something, what, what I call liveware, which is something a bit like software for, for living. And it was just a simple set of instructions that, that anyone could do anywhere in the world and get, you know, get a result. And so basically, it's a very simple process 
uh, that is uh, takes place in the street. There's three. There's three phases. You tune up your senses. You ask a question, and then wander around. Wandering is there's a lot in that, but basically wander around, asking the question of yourself, and if you like, of strangers, and notice the answers that you get back. And as we like to say at Street Wisdom, answers are everywhere. And then you share what you learned, if anything. Mm. And so it's very low key. You don't have to have been to an ashram or got the you know, ayahuasca to do it. But it was deliberately a kind of entry level uh, experience for people to um, really what I call urban mindfulness. But it's a sense of being able to find inspiration anywhere, anytime, not having to fly off to Machu Picchu to do it. So there's, that's basically what it is. And we put it up on online five or six years ago. It's a shareware, um, a shareware sort of system. There are no fees. We say you don't pay fees, you pay attention. Um, and it's in 41 countries around the world now. There have been 700 plus events uh, done by, pub, by, by volunteers around the world. Um, and not a penny's changed hands, which I'm very, you know, if in this very transactional world, I'm very proud of that. And then the corporate world has really woken up to it. And now there are many clients who are now using it as a, for, you know, in, in ver- for various applications. That's street wisdom. Wow. I, I love it. So it, so many questions. So the interesting thing is I did this process and I posed a question and it was kind of some version of, you know, what, what do I do next in my business? What's the kind of next big project I take on? And then I got quite an unexpected response. I went into, because one of the, there are like some simple rules, aren't there? One of them is like, go where you're drawn or something. And um, I it was never really drawn into a bookshop when I was in Shoreditch. I mean, it's a really cool bookshop on Redchurch Street. Um, and I went in there and saw loads of ideas. And it gave me this, it gave me uh, what my solution, if anything, was suddenly to realize that if I just wrote a list of all the things I want to do before I die and then come from that perspective in terms of where I want to go for my business rather than, you know, what's the big next marketing push or what's the big next, you know, business initiative, then that will be more meaningful. And uh, so I thought that was, that was great. Are you, I mean, I suppose if you're spiritual, some people would read that as there are signs everywhere and the universe is giving you the signs, but you can also, I'm not particularly inclined that way. You can also take it as just like, um, you know, like crystals need a, what is it? Or pearl needs a, a funny enough, needs a piece of grit to form. So you need some sort of um, stimulus to, uh, from somewhere in the world that, that then sparks things in your mind. Yeah, I mean, you, you... You've described it really well. In fact, I didn't need to write the book. I've just written a book about it called Wonderful. And you, I, you basically just summed it up. So I should just forget it. Don't, <laughs> there's a bit more in it. But no, it's, it's, beautifully, it's beautifully put. Um, that what, what is nice is, is say less and let people have the experience they have. And, and as you say, there's a range of people uh, from, from the more spiritual who will tell you that this is divine speaking to them or whatever it is and at the other level it's it's uh people what i think a client put it very nicely that you know she said um she said well you know your unconscious mind's unconscious to you but when you do this exercise you find out what's in your unconscious mind it's another way it's a way for her of of seeing what she's thinking which i love that idea you know is that, uh, and and sometimes also it's a bit like probably the idea of your bucket list was sort of on the tip of your tongue 
but possibly crowded out. So you stumble about and you, you're something, as they say, sort of flirts with you. And that brings that, brings that one forward. So it's lovely. And in a way, all the, you know, I've read books about creativity exercise and I've run workshops on creativity and written books about it. And um, uh, as you have, and, and all creativity exercises come down to making you, giving you some new stimulus to, so that you come up with a thought you haven't come up with before. Or, or an awful lot of it is of that kind, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, it, when I was writing the book, I came across, because you come across lots of brighter people than you who've thought of this stuff before. <laughs> Arthur Kersler, who I, I love his writing, uh, said... Something like this, forgive me if I get it wrong, but creativity is a unique process where both the teacher and the pupil reside in the same person. Mm, Creativity is a process where the teacher and the pupil reside in the same person. And that sort of speaks to what I think you just said, which is there's somehow creativity is a way of you get to teach yourself what you need to learn. And it's messy often and frustrating. (laughs) And it requires wandering. It requires a kind of, Oh my, getting lost and so on. And this is this is um, this is something that I realised uh, um, doing street wisdom, watching it, and also watching people from a distance. Because it's one thing when you know you you know yourself if you're teaching a course or you're working with executives, you can kind of it, it you by force of personality or by sleight of hand you can get sort of help results happen. But when there's a street wisdom happening in Bolivia or in Mexico, and it's three or four degrees of separation from you, you, you get a sort of you get sort of data, you get sort of clean data on it. You say, "Oh, well, this really is happening," and I think that um, I think that you consistently see people tripping over what they almost knew. Do you know what I mean? In that in that sense. Um, and, and I find that I find it very encouraging um, and annoying as well, because at one level, um, you, you sort of sometimes like to shortcut it. Um, but there is a process. There is this process of wandering, of kind of stumbling, of, of you know, the, um, there's that famous Chinese phrase about whereas we, you know, we cross a river, we build a bridge. The Chinese view was you know, you, you, you cross a river by feeling your way across the stones. That sense of, you know, the elements hidden to you, you don't know where the stones are, so you feel your way. And I think we maybe will talk about improv at some point, which I've done a lot of, but I, I'm fascinated by, by creativity, but I've been doing it a while. I, you know, I think many of us have. And it's, it's slightly annoying that it, there's a mysterious element to it that remains. But, but that's <laughs> what makes it exciting, isn't it? Because, well, like improv or... Um, uh, and I imagine the improv opera you do, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, is, is the fact that you don't know how it's going to, like, I think I wrote in one of my books, or maybe it was a quote from someone, I don't know, um, and I was quoting somebody, but nothing's exciting when you know what the outcome's going to be. It's only exciting when you you don't know quite what it's going to be like. And that's that's why, you know, fear and excitement go hand in hand and then imagine... I've done a bit of improv and I can, I certainly feel fearful when I'm doing it. I don't know about you, but I've done it at a kind of, you know, amateur level. Well, I mean, the thing is we're doing it now. I, it makes yeah, me right. smile that improv, you know, everyone's improving all the time. It's like everyone's been creative the whole time. But we, I mean, I don't want to be oversimplifying, but there is a skill to professional performed improv, but, but there is a, 
I mean, you and I, before this, I don't know if we should confess to the reader, you know, you and I went through a little tap dance before we spoke, which is, I, I just checked in with you, you know, do you, do you want to talk about what we're going to talk about? And you said, well, no, let's wing it. And both of us are wingers. We like to wing it. But um, I think that also comes with, it, it's partly it's partly the type of people like, there's some people just love to do that and others don't. And there's also, this also comes with experience where you realize that actually winging it well, in fact, what you're doing is you're hopping from an, a known island to a known island to a known island. It's probably way better than what your brain wants you to do, which is write it all down with arrows and Gantt charts and get it all fixed. And so I spend a lot of my time in boardrooms, as I'm sure you do, and in, in, in organizations and so on, where there is a very real tension between planning and riffing. And it, 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 it's, you know, there's there's... There's the god Apollo, who's very set square, and there's the Apollo, there's there's Dionysus, who's a party animal, and let it happen. And I think those are principles that are in dynamic tension in human life. And and uh, I suppose that's why I spent a lot of time working with some of the very brilliant but very sort of logical thinkers. I do a lot of work with um, technology companies and uh, manufacturing and nanotechnology, stuff that I know nothing about. But there's a sort of, they need somebody working with them who's kind of the the, the opposite pull, if you know what I mean. Now that's just making make me think about all sorts of other things. Um, <clears throat> and uh, um, Esther Stanhope, a friend who I, maybe you've met her actually, but she, she works with lawyers and she stands up and sort of says, like, you know, what do people say about lawyers? And they and she writes down a flip board and a flip chart and they they say you know all these terrible things like boring and stayed and you know rip off and whatever else and 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 then she you know she encourages them to see them see themselves a different way and they absolutely love it um, and it's they're, they're thirsty for all that kind of stuff and I'm sure a lot of them are just as creative as anybody else so. Um, but I, so I wanted to ask about, I'm torn, you see, between the things I wrote down and wanted to talk about. I'm just going, doing a Joe Rogan and just, you know, you press record and three hours later you press stop, uh, which also can be interesting, but also sometimes I want to kill him. But um, so one of the things I did, we may go on to three hours of, I don't know, some topic I'm not interested about. So um, one of the things I wanted to ask about was, it, it, we, we, you touched on it earlier, but people might not have caught this. But Street Wisdom is open source. That means anyone can go to streetwisdom.org, download the kit, and start running Street Wisdom tours themselves. Is that right? Yeah. And what, what we do, and what we don't police things because it's too exhausting, but also we don't seem to need to because the kind of people that come to it um, are curious and they want support. So what happens is we make friends. And uh, someone comes on our site and they're in Mexico and they say, can I do one? And what they do is they post where they're going to do their, their walk, their workshop and when. And in an Eventbrite kind of way, people can then jump on and, and add their names in. So, so we, we take off their shoulders their admin of it um, and let them and, and support them to do the, you know, to do the, the job of facilitating. And it's, it's, it's great. We've made, you know, we've made... There's a network of 3,000 plus people out there um, who we've never met at one level, a lot of them. Uh, and I'm thinking of actually starting to have meetups. Like we just, you know, nominate a street corner in Hamburg and just see who shows up. And also see who doesn't show up, but you go, oh, you must be a street wisdom person. Anyway, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but it's, it's, um, 
it's the open source the open source experiment's been really interesting uh because it's gener it's generous generosity based and it's really nice to have something like that in in a largely transactional you know world uh, especially when there's educational learning you know and i really did feel that it, it wasn't our place to charge for an experience because the street is doing the work if you like so um what we do do is we is we encourage an exchange of value obviously to to to, to make it to make it you know, to recognize there is value being exchanged. So what we ask is for stories in return. And what people do is they'll do a little, you know, a little paragraph or two story in a picture on the site. And, and that's so we've got a library of hundreds, hundreds of stories. And they're very, they're great, very touching. And it's very encouraging to others to see that all sorts of different people do it. And also helpful for me in the writing the book, because I had a uh, you know, a set of sources to go to and and and, and individual stories to, uh, you know, to give as examples. So it's 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 working very nice. It's working very nicely indeed. It's very interesting. And the corporate work, presumably, you don't do that for free, because you have uh, facilitators from. Is that is that the Pearl Group <laughs> that does that, or? Is... Well, when we do the thing about when we do a street wisdom related events so my day job is working with businesses in various ways but uh, and, and i'll be honest i thought street wisdom initially was like a like way over there it seemed to be a peripheral passion project but it's come very much center stage in a funny way because i've part of my creativity work for example is working um i've got this format called the future studio and it's it's about um particularly about large infrastructure projects or city reboots around the world and that brings together crazy creatives and we do we, we do sort of catalyze master plans and things but of course it relates very directly to life on the street so in a way that i didn't expect and we should talk about synchronicity a bit because when you step into this world the world of creativity odd connections start to happen you could say that is creativity right um but but when we work with businesses um the technology, if you like, remains free. But what we do is we charge for the customizing and the facilitation. So it, it's, it's, it is true that you can facilitate a street wisdom for your mates using the information on the website. And it's simple and clear. But like most simple things, it's got this, there's layers underneath. And when you're working with businesses, which we do a lot, it's, it's very useful to have additional skills and experience working with business. So street wisdom remains free at the point of sale but 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 there are fees that are charged around to to get to get the um to apply the technology to a specific business need so you know we work with lush for example who were keen to look at how they could make more of an experience around their stores or with samsung who were thinking about how to transform how people um well turning their stores from selling boxes into experiences and so on and so on uh, which Google they have done have you have you have you been to cold drop cold drops yard uh yeah absolutely yeah. so samsung has a, a fancy new brand spanking office that's in a weird shape looks like a ufo and it's kind of an experience center which is uh yeah so so yeah they worked <laughs> so that, that's interesting and well, it's, that's it's funny it's in the I'm kind of interested in that model because because I, the reason I mentioned that is because 
a lot of people I know are really beginners in entrepreneurship and they go, oh, that's great. I'll do street wisdom or I'll do something that I want to do. And then we don't think about whether it makes money or not. And I quite like the, I see a lot of people, uh, creative people get, have a lot of success. I know it's your, not your main thing anyway, street wisdom, but with a sort of public thing that makes no money or maybe just washes its face financially and, but which is so wacky, it promotes the corporate work, which is maybe a little bit more um, mainstream, but is very well paid. And so, you know, um, Bompers and Pa, who do amazing food projects, I interviewed for my first book. They do things like breathable cocktails in Covent Garden. And then, you know, some corporate big corporation will hire them and do something amazing. And same with... Uh, um, Odette Toilette is her stage name. I've forgotten. Lizzie Ostrom, who does stuff around scent. She does these public workshops, which are, you know, very affordable. And then she'll go and work for L'Oreal or somebody like that at corporate rates. So I just want kind of, I think it's quite an interesting combination because your main business is the Pearl Group anyway, which is working with corporations and and in boardrooms. Um, But for other people to understand that that can be, you can do some quite out there public projects that are either very cheap or, or free and then still make money because there is a corporate element to it. Is that, I don't know if I, it does, it sounds like that wasn't particularly what you were thinking when you started street wisdom, you just did it because you wanted to do it, but it's a good thing to flag, I think for people. Mm. And I, I endorse that hundred percent. I mean, I just add a few things to that, which mm. is my, my, so I, I I have a little bit of a reaction to um, what I've seen in the art world, where arts world, where what you'll what what some people will do, and for totally understandable reasons, but they'll have their main passion. So, let's say they're a theatre and they're really interested in contemporary theatre, whatever it is. That's really what they'll do. That they start to think, oh look, we better we better have a corporate offer, and we'll take that money and we'll stick it into the real stuff. And I think that's a way, but it's quite that is quite a. Um, a crude model, I think, because it it it's it's people sniff that. What I think you're talking about, and what I think is more genuinely creative, is through the ages, people who've got a creative spark have looked in a quite mercenary way, including Beethoven, Mozart, and Shakespeare. Shakespeare died wealthy, we think. You know, he was he was a smart smart businessman, yeah. and um, they look for applications are places to do their to do their work and i think that's more and more what it's like and it is true that there are different pay scales but i've what i've noticed over time that the people who are successful don't change that much it when, when they're doing corporate or whatever they're doing what they're doing and they're adjusting to the context and the other thing i would say that if, if so in other words if you are if you're a creative such as you described Try and be generous and compassionate across the board. Because if you say, oh, this is my real audience, oh, and I'll work with you bastards because you've got loads of money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just think about those, those people. When they leave the office and walk in the street, they're your audience, right? They're, so it's a construct. The other thing that I think is over the years has dawned on me is that the two things, the corporate world or business world, if you like, is a great place to find people. So if you're interested in working with people, you can either look for the, the paying audience, the, the punters, or you can work with the paid-for audience, who are people who are paid to do their job, and as part of that, they have to schlep along and come and see you. Now, <laughs> I'm open, right? Both are good. But if you want to work with lots of people, the business world is a great place to find people in a kind of 
in a kind of uh, intentional situation. They all want to do something, and that can be quite powerful. And the second way of thinking about it that I think has helped me stay sane is that whether they realize it or not, the business world is investing in R&D for the world. So I, I think of what I do now, and I think that actually I've been lucky enough that businesses have paid me to research and develop stuff that I can then, yeah, I can offer street wisdom because it's been r and d uh, in business. Now, I don't put that on my invoices. Thank you for the R&D. <laughs> but I think it's a reciprocal thing because I think they're also learning. And I think that's, that's a healthy way, perhaps, of thinking about different sectors. Yeah, no, I like that. And that makes sense. And, that, and that's certainly the model I would have in mind. And both things work and both things are enjoyable or you set them up in a way that makes them enjoyable for you. And, and you um, it made me think uh, while you were talking about this thing I read about earlier today when I was l- looking up uh, your bio of where you set up um, a theatre on a, on a clifftop or something. Where, where was this and what's the story? This is for a corporate gig, right? It's my first corporate gig. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's, well, that, this is a good example of, um, you know, people talk uh, about these dramatic moments in life, these turning points. And this genuinely was a turning point. And it was also a creative point because it was when two worlds collided, or in my case, three. So basically, I was at the time, it was the early 90s, and I was passionate about opera, running an opera and circus company and doing a show on the BBC and um, basically, you know, an out-and-out lovey. And a, but broke, by the way. <laughs> um, but I didn't care. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't mind because I was doing my life's work. And, um, and I got a call from, a co- uh, from one of the world's big service companies, big consultancies. And I'd never heard of them, which annoyed them a lot. But they were, they were thinking about how to bring creative arts possibly into their business for two reasons. One is to see if it could help people connect with each other in ways they wouldn't have dreamed possible, was their quote. And the other was whether it could be used to sort of woven into their thinking processes for their business. Now, I didn't know, I didn't know who these people were, but, um, and I didn't go there looking for a job. I just, it sounded intriguing. And um, actually, I'll tell you what actually happened was they phoned and I started talking and I got excited because it sounded to me like a, a, a hybrid of three things that really interested me, which was performing arts, Self-development, because I'd gone through my own ups and downs and dark periods and therapy and whatever. And I, and I think, th- and if you know anything about theatre, it's very, um, it's not about de-armoring. It's about understanding how the human being works. So I was very interested in that. And the third area was actually making some money because I just got married. And it was like, well, that would be nice. So there are these three interlocking things. Anyway, so I'm rabbiting on the way I do and you do. You know, we're rabbiting on. And you know when you're on the phone and you think, You've got people. You've got them by the throat. They're, they are hanging on every word. You can hear a pin drop. And I take the, my, I take the reins and I go with it. And I must have spoken for 17 minutes uninterrupted. And then I just asked them, what do you think? And realized they had actually been cut off after 30 seconds. I'd literally been talking to myself. <laughs> that notwithstanding, I walked into their offices a couple of days later and it really intrigued me and also slightly irritated me because they said something which is you hope to hear and dread to hear, which is I asked them about the budget. <coughs> they had this event. They wanted to do it. It was 10, 10 weeks away. They'd got the hotel. 
They've got 1,500 people showing up, but no content. They didn't have the content of this, 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 get, this conference they were going to do. It was an internal get-together, and they, they, didn't want, they didn't know what to do. And they, I said to them, what's the budget? I'm just, I'm just bullshitting. I know you have to ask that at some point, right? And they said, the budget is of no consequence. What's important is the quality of your ideas. And I thought, I, I know what you guys are doing. You're trying to take away constraints so that I'm very creative. I said, look, okay, right, guys, I'm not going to say anymore. I'm leaving here. I'm going out of this room. And I'm going to come back in a week with an idea that you're going to want. And it's going to take you to your budget ouch point. I was completely making this up. But they loved that. It was like talk dirty, right? So a week later, and this actually was an interesting exercise that creative pe- for creative people because it is true that I think you'll agree that, 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 that constraints make you more creative, right? But there is something very odd, like constraints of budget, constraints of time. But there is something about when someone says, what if the budget was of no consequence. It's a different kind of crisis that goes through your mind because suddenly the challenge is how daring can I be? How great can I be? I can't, I've got no excuse. So I thought, we're not going to get this job, but let's go for it. Let's just go for it. And I, I, this, I have this kind of community of, uh, of creative mates and I rang them up variously and just said, look, we're not going to get this job, but let's show them what it looks like when you irritate and creatively challenge a group of you know, creative people. So about a week later, a motorbike pulls up outside this people's office and a guy gets off, a motorcycle career, dressed in 18th century costume. He walks to the desk carrying a parcel. The parcel is wrapped in silk and inside is a handmade box, scented wood. And inside that, when you open it, is a proposal on printed in a special typeface on special paper. Just to say, look, we know we're not going to get this, but this is what happens when you when you challenge. And, and the proposal was, you do an opera. You're going to write it. You're going to, you're going to costume it. You're going to light it. We're going to be there to help, but you do the whole thing. And they said, yes. Fast forward 10 weeks, we're on the clifftop in Portugal, and my life just changed because I looked from the, from the darkness into the, the show and realized, you know what? I do love being in the, in the spotlight, but I like this more. There's something about watching other people flourish and have a taste of what you've come used to um a taste of magic if you like um that that was very very rewarding and also made some money so that was that was wow you know, people i met my partner and and you know it all makes sense in 2020 hindsight but it was a serious zig i i, I want the uh, the balls would to say to somebody i'm going to come away i'm going to go away and come up with something so amazing and it will take you to your budget ouch point i like that phrase I'm yeah gonna... well i've got to tell you to be really honest what you need to do that is total ignorance because <laughs> i've never said that again ever you know you do it once i know <laughs> i i no. once i i got him a guardian uh newspaper once for the first piece of writing i ever did and um and they said, well, you've got to fill it within 1,200 words. I said, I can't write it in 1,200 words. Because if a Secretary of State for Health has to write it within 1,200 words, I said, I can't do it. And he goes, all right, then, you can have more. <laughs> Just like, isn't it? I don't think I would do that now. But because I was completely naive, I had no idea. I was talking to one of the editors of The Guardian. Naivety is a great. Yeah, naivety is great. Either, either know nothing or everything. But that, again, in creativity, it's a common thing I've seen in my creative colleagues and other creatives. I, I, you know, I counsel startups and so on now. And it's something to, it's something to see, which is, it's a bit like there's your first album 
and you don't know any better, so you just throw yourself at it. Then comes the second album, where which is hard because you suddenly you have a hit album the first time. It's much harder the second album, uh, but the really important one is the third album or the third iteration, whether it's the third, you know, the third product or whatever, where or the third job where you start to go. Uh, is this real? Oh, yeah, there is something here. I think you have to go through that kind of dazzling, naive stage, sort of crushing, crushing anticlimax, and then go, okay, what is really here? <laughs> so it's up and down, right? I found that Crazy. quite encouraging. My, my third book possibly coming up next year, that's encouraging. And, and you said, I think, oh. just before we started, you said, we, we, we all mentioned your book at the end, but... Um, just before we started, you said uh, you've only had one idea. I mean, it's basically everything's based on that one idea, like all creative people. And and if that's the case, what is your one creative – what is this one idea of yours, do you think? Oh, man, I wish you hadn't asked. I'll tell you at the moment what I think it is, and, and then I can um, – suppose it isn't really an idea. You have a zillion ideas, but it, it's around a central core. And, you know, decades of work, looking with the hindsight, looking back, whether it's – all the work I've done on, God, meetings. I've written books on meetings or work on story or the work in the street or the work in what I call experience engineering. It sort of boils down to something. It's a little bit, if when I say it to you, it's going to be a bit hallmark. But it's the magic of the everyday, really. And and it's a surprise to me because I thought I started at the age of nine at the, uh, the opera house as a singer. And it was, that's every, it's very, nothing doesn't appear to be anything to do with it every day. It seems about as artificial as it can be. But I think in this life that I'm living, for some reason I've been driven into very everyday situations and to sort of hunt out the hunt out the magic that's there. That the and, and it's a surprise to me. And it, to be honest, it's hard. It might have been easier to because to, 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 I worked in the film business and I, you know, the, the lure of these apparently more artificial. Apparently, they're not actually, but apparently more artificial worlds. It seems like, oh, that would be more comfortable. You are where you are, man. And, and it seems to me that again and again, I find myself in a situation where what I'm trying to do is, is juice the everyday for the, for, for, for the amazing stuff that's there. Because, you know, it's about being alive and it's about, it's about what we can do here with the resources that we've got. We don't have to fly off there. What, you know, what can we do? So that's, that appears to be what it is. I'll let you know when it changes or when I learn a bit more. It, well, it sounds very good to me. God is in the detail, or is perhaps some version of that. I like it. And you, your book, Wonderful, with an A, which, by the way, Amazon doesn't like, is when I searched for it earlier, corrected it to Wonderful with an O, and then couldn't find your book. <clears throat> but anyway, it is listed on Amazon, as well as Unbound, because it was published by, um, it was, uh, you crowdsourced it on Unbound. Yeah. And at some point, we must get John Mitchison in. I, I'd love to speak to him on the podcast. Um, oh, he's a man. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, he's great. Uh, I have run into him a couple of times. He runs Unbound, which is a, the, the crowdsourced publisher. Uh, so it comes out on the 23rd of Jan, 2020, um, for those who are listening some point in the future. And that's about, how would you describe the book? It's the sort of backstory of Street Wisdom. If, if you took a Street Wisdom event and freeze-framed it at certain points, I then plunge, for my own interest as well, into what's really going on. So, for example, uh, part of Street Wisdom is about uh, talking to strangers. So there's a whole chapter about, what, you know, what, what's that about? You know, what is a stranger? So it's a little sort of, and I, I wander through these subjects in a kind of, it's a book that's designed to browse through, really. Another one is, 
is embodied intelligence, like, you know, the inner compass that you've got, the sat-nav of the soul, we call it. But, you know, how is it that your body knows which way to go? Uh, Decision-making, um, how do you slow down? What, what, it, what happens when tempo changes and so on and so forth? Synchronicity, we talked a bit before. Why is it that synchronicity seems to increase on a street with experience? What on earth is going on? So for me, it was partly a way of, revealing some of the design the substructure but it's also an opportunity to go to, to amazing people and find out what they think and interleave between the it's done as a wonder so i'm wandering with the reader we turn left we turn right and stuff but in between we bump into strangers and these are people i've met on my journey who have inspired me or interesting folk and so this ken robinson is one and charles handy's another and um, susie walker's another patricia slawuta so interesting really amazing people and Nikita Mikhailov and the psychologist and stuff. And we go for a wander and um, you don't know who they are because you just see their back when you meet them. And then at the back of the book, you've discovered who they are. And it's just lovely to hang out with strangers with interesting minds. Right. Oh, God, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, I know, Susie. Um, And uh, they all sound fascinating. So um, that's the book, Wonderful. If you want to find out about everything else you do, where's the best place to go? Well, um, street, streetwisdom.org is, is, is street wisdom, and mine is, David, uh, is davidpearl.net, which is a kind of, you know how it is. It's your own site. It's instantly out of date, but it's, it's, got, it's got some interesting stuff on there, and it might, might be worth a browse. Yeah. And, and are you active on social media? Which one do you use most? Well, until, until the recent election, I was on Twitter. I'm now, I'm weaning myself off there, but I, and I've been introduced to this thing called Instagram, which I understand is, is, uh, is, a, is, is the coming thing. And also Instagram's great because especially with, you know, the, the subtitle of the book is find the wonder in the everyday, every day. And, and it seems to me as the writer of that, I'd better be doing that. So Instagram is pretty good at, at helping you capture the wonder of the everyday. Well, Thank you, David. That's been absolutely fascinating. Tempting to go in front of a, a two hours of Joe Rogan would, but uh, I won't today. But maybe <laughs> another time. So um, I'd love to. Yeah. Okay. That, well, that'd be good. I'll, I'll hold you to that at, at some point in the future. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes, along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast.